Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and today we got the second part of the Hot Takes videos. Yesterday we did the AFC. This part is about the NFC. I'm going to explain real quick what this is. We're going to be talking about hot takes in each division. We are each going to give one hot take per division, NFC North, NFC South, NFC East, NFC West. You probably could have guessed that, obviously. And we're just going to talk about either one player or just one overall take and talk about why we believe that this is going to happen. And they would be considered hotter kind of takes because not a lot of people are putting these guys up to the standard that we believe they could finish at or believe that they could play to this season. So before we get into it, Bush, uh, obviously guys check Bush out, but here you go, Bush, you can talk now. Yeah. So the fantasy sock exchange on YouTube, make sure you go subscribe to that. We are putting out not quite as much content as Nick. We go about seven days a week. He's an animal, but, um, uh, make sure you guys also check out the draft guide, which is $3 as of right now. If you prove that you're subscribed to the channel via like screenshot or whatever in the draft guide, you'll find the typical draft guide stuff, bus sleepers, rankings, all that got full team previews, the best resources to use uh, division previews, must draft players, draft strategies, strength of schedule, teammate battles, all other articles, rookie profiles, all that shit. So make sure you guys check that out. If you guys would like to check out my draft guide as well, the link is down below in the description, patreon.com slash notorious fantasy. It is $7.50 for the month of August. and has all the things that you need to win your 2020 fantasy football championship. So please make sure to check that out. I'm obviously editing this in because I forgot to say it at the beginning of the video. Back to future Nick now. Yeah, for sure. So the first division we're going to be talking about here is the NFC North, the Bears, Lions, Packers, and Vikings. I let Bush go last time first, so I'm going to go first this time. So my opinion or my hot take of this division is that Kirk Cousins actually plays better in 2020 than last season and has a higher finish without Stefan Diggs because obviously, if you guys watched yesterday's video, spoiler alert, Bush really thinks Stefan Diggs is very good, and I think Stefan Diggs is very good too. And this is obviously a notable loss for the team. They obviously bring in Justin Jefferson out of LSU. And I think that that's going to help him out. But obviously, Justin Jefferson in his first year in the NFL is no Stefan Diggs. But does it matter? I don't think so. I think Kirk Cousins will be able to finish higher than last season. Last year, he finished as quarterback number 16 in 2019. So he could easily finish as just quarterback 15. And obviously, my take would be right. He averaged 16.2 points per game, ranking 16th at the quarterback position. Now, notably, his pass attempts is not very high. It ranked 24th at the quarterback position with 444, which obviously I expect to go up slightly with Kevin Stefanski leaving. 3,602 passing yards. He had 26 pass touchdowns and six INTs. Kirk Cousins, obviously, notably one of those guys that people will consider to be a game manager, not one of those guys who's going to really take over the game and just dick down a defense. He's not really known to do that, but I think we could see that happening this season for Kirk Cousins. They lost Kevin Stefanski, and obviously the Minnesota Vikings were pretty run heavy with uh, Dalvin Cook in his rookie year. They gave him a decent amount of touches, but they had a 35.59% run play percentage in 2018 before uh, Kevin Stefanski took over as the offensive coordinator, which ranked 29th in the NFL. And then in 2019, they finished as the fourth most run heavy team at 48.30%. So I think it does go down slightly. And with that going down, Kirk Cousins obviously should go up. So him finishing inside of the top 15 is obviously something that's going to be very possible this year, especially if Kirk Cousins looks like what he played like in Washington. He looked way better than he has looked in Minnesota, at least to me for the last, I believe, what has he been there for a year or two now? And I think that two years. Okay. 
yeah, after that, Case Keenum absolutely destroyed the Saints. Shout out to all you Saints fans who have been crying for years to the Vikings. But I think Kirk Cousins will be just slightly better and overtake being quarterback 16 and go up to probably like quarterback 14. And hey, at the end of the day, that will make my take correct. And most people probably think Kirk Cousins will be much worse without Stefan Diggs. So what do you think about this take? Um, I think you're, you're on to something with saying that he could finish higher than like quarterback 16 because he's going to play all 16 games because he always does. But yeah. in terms of points per game, I don't see any way that there's like his finish goes up higher without digs with the, the offense getting probably even more run heavy than it already was. Like I, I just, I Kirk cousins is just the opposite of the type of quarterback I would draft considering you can get Gardner Minshew after Kirk cousins. Yeah. Like, and even guys like Joe Burrow and, and Drew Locke, I'd just much rather have those guys because I think their upside is just way higher. So I, I'm, I'm kind of out on Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't probably draft him ever just because I, I just assume he's probably going to finish as quarterback 16 to 20, but that's not going to win me shit. So that's, it's a guy that I'm just staying away from in general. Yeah, no, I, I'm not really telling everyone to go out there and draft him. I just think it's entirely possible that he does better than last year. And I think he actually is fine as, like, your quarterback, too, if you're playing in, like, a, a deeper type of league. If you're in, like, a 14-team league and you draft him as your second guy, or if it's, like, a super flex league and he's, like, your second quarterback that you play every once in a while because you then you're going to play, like, third quarterback in a super flex league. I would not trust him as my second quarterback. Really? Because I yeah. think I would just draft him as my second guy and then draft, like, Derek Carr or Gardner Minshew in later uh, rounds. Okay, and yeah, then... he could be, like, the second guy i draft but the, not the guy i'm starting all the time okay yeah that, that's more of what i meant but i think i think kirk will be fine this year but obviously he's not the the best quarterback ever to grace the nfl so what is your take here for the nfc north okay so for the nfc north and this one's hot this is probably the hottest one just considering what has happened the last like two weeks and i'm saying deandre <laughs> swift finishes as the highest of all the rookie running backs and yes that means clyde edwards hilaire too so a, a couple weeks ago, this probably wouldn't have been that hot of a take. Now it is because Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a first round pick. So let's look at DeAndre Swift. He's a super talented rookie with borderline first round draft capital. And most importantly, in my opinion, he hasn't disappointed the current coaching staff in front office yet, which carry on Johnson has done by getting injured in two straight seasons. Yes. Patricia praised Swift's ability to be involved as a receiver and not that carry on Johnson's bad at it, but Swift boasts great ability in that area and it should get him on the field early, which is where he'll prove that he's better than carry on Johnson and pretty much every aspect of playing running back. I think this backfield probably starts out as like a 50, 50 split in a few short weeks. It'll be Swift's all to himself, meaning like he's going to be like a 65, 70% um, share running back. And this is whether carry on Johnson gets injured or not. If he does get injured and this is probably the only way my take comes through Swift's ability as a runner and as a receiver and on the goal line, what we saw, it, it was like a high-flying aerial attack when Matt Stafford was healthy, could land him as a top eight running back in fantasy. If he's able to be the engine of the offense while Stafford kind of just dishes it out to Jones and Galladay and Hawkinson on the outside, like Swift could be like a 12 touchdown running back similar to like what Alvin Kamara was his rookie year. So offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel also is not averse to using a bell cow running back if he's earned it not like just out of the blue like he's just going to use a bell cow but if Swift proves he's super good he's better than carry on Johnson and he's able to take take the job and run with it he's used Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch in his days as an offensive coordinator and he knows a bell cow when he sees one so if Swift is just outperforming carry on Johnson I don't think it's I don't think they're just going to stick with KJ because he's the veteran and like the rookie's got to prove his stripes. Like, no, if, if Swift is outperforming KJ, they're going to switch to Swift because I think they're like low key pissed off at, at carry on Johnson for getting hurt. 
Yeah, now I, 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 I completely disagree with this, but it's because I don't think they're going to run the ball a lot. Now, if on Johnson was to get hurt, this take is 100% possible. He could literally be a top 10 running back. Yeah, I, think, I think that's the only way that happens. But, like, even if on Johnson doesn't get hurt, I still think Swift has, like, top 15 potential. See, I just don't think so, strictly because they don't run the ball enough. Now, I understand the pass-catching opportunity. DeAndre Swift is just like you said, Alvin Kamara. He's a guy who can go out there, catch the ball. He could literally be like their third fucking wide receiver. That's how good he is at catching the ball. Plus, their third wide receiver is, I think it's still Danny Amendola. So, obviously, not too complicated to get up there and, and play out there. But I think DeAndre Swift... Good player. I just don't think this is the right situation for this season. They just haven't been running the ball all that much. I think they ran it 30 to 35% of the time last year, and that's obviously not something you want as your fucking running back. So I don't know. I'm just really off of him this year. I think if on Johnson was to get moved off the team or just to fucking get hurt like he always does, Swift is 100% going to be able to be that guy. But it would probably – on Johnson probably won't get hurt week one. It would probably be like week eight or yeah. unless they just completely lost trust on him because he's just shit again. I really believed in on Johnson. I thought he was really good. And even when he was playing kind of well or pretty well, they just weren't giving him the ball enough. And I feel like that that's going to be what happens this year with DeAndre Swift, where you really think he's going to be good. And it is entirely possible that he is, but I just think that if they don't give him the ball enough, there's no way, obviously any running back, you give Saquon Barkley like six touches a game. He's not going to fucking finish high enough. So I think that is the biggest worry for DeAndre Swift. Do you think that they do start running the ball more now with uh, Swift there? I don't care. I, I think he's going to catch six passes a game. Like, okay. if he's the bell cow running back, like, Alvin Kamara never exceeded 12 carries in a game in his rookie year. Like, he, he literally got, like, between 6 and, and 12 carries every game because Ingram was getting all the carries. So, mm-hmm. I, I think if Swift is able to get 6 to, to 8 targets, like, once he's fully established, I don't, I don't really care how much they run the ball. I think he's going to get the majority of the goal line work and the receiving work, which will be enough to propel him into the top 10 if he's as good as I think he is. Okay. No, I, I can understand that argument. So now to move on to the NFC South, Bush's division. Obviously, Bush is a Buccaneers fan. You could tell by the Tiki Barber jersey on the wall. So Monday, we are going to go. On, man. What? Oh, pay- wait, Ronde. who's that? Ronde, I'm so fucking stupid, dude. Tiki Barber's the Giants running back. I'm yeah. It's okay. But my hot take has nothing to do with the Buccaneers and yours does. Mine is Hayden Hurst is a top five tight end. Now, I know a lot of people are talking, oh, Hayden Hurst, top 12 tight end. No, motherfucker. He's going to be a top five tight end. I, and I really genuinely believe this. To me, this is like, this is a cold take for me because I have him ranked as the, a top five tight end. I had him at four and now I realized that uh, you can't put him above Zach Ertz, even though I don't like Zach Ertz all that much. So Hayden Hurst last year, obviously not super hot in Baltimore. Tight end number 34 playing in all 16 games, 40 targets, 30 receptions, two total touchdowns, which obviously is pretty good for a guy young in his NFL career, but nothing too special. But that's obviously because he was stuck behind Mark Andrews, who was just dumpstering defenses. And Nick Boyle. Yeah, Nick Boyle, very good at pass blocking as well. So that's why he was out there a lot. So we could see that last season in Atlanta, Austin Hooper put up insane numbers, playing in just 13 games, finished as a top six tight end, tight end number six. So Hayden Hurst would just have to go one spot past him. And if Hayden Hurst plays all 16 games, this is entirely possible since Mr. Uh, Hooper only played in 13 games. He had 97 targets last season, sixth at tight end, 75 receptions, fifth at tight end, 787 receiving yards, sixth at tight end, and six total touchdowns, fourth at tight end. And to understand the Atlanta Falcons were the most pass-heavy offense in the NFL. Now, I understand that might regress. They might fall out of, 
I'd say probably a safe floor for them would be a top six, top seven in pass plays. But they just love to pass the ball there. That's why I'm very out on Todd Gurley. Dirk Cutter has a shrine to the tight end position just on his wall. He's got all the guys that have ever played to him, and he cranks off to that before he goes to sleep every single night. He lays a nice prayer down for them. And I think that they got rid of Austin Hooper for a reason. They saw what they saw in Hayden Hurst and believe that he can be that guy. And I talk about this a lot as well. It's called the Matt Ryan theorem. It's the fact that he, every other year, he is the quarterback number two. He's good, right? Finishes the top 15 quarterback. And then the next year, number two quarterback, then top 15, then number two. Last year, he was the top 15 guy. This year, he's going to be number two. And I believe that this whole offense is going to be just absolutely firing at all cylinders at the receiving wise. I think that uh, Julio Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst are all going to be good. Now, I know I understand if you guys are coming from his channel, I probably sound like Danny talking about the Cowboys, but I really think that this is possible, that Hayden Hurst could be that guy, and I don't really see an argument for him. If he doesn't finish inside of the top 10, I would be fucking shocked unless he got hurt. So what do you think about Hayden Hurst? Yeah, no, I have him ranked at tight, tight end six, so I'm right there with you. I, I think you said this offense could regress from a passing perspective. This is the only offense in the league I would say that that's not going to happen to. because the <laughs> I don't think it will either, but. Their defense got worse, so they're, they're literally going to throw the ball 600 times, and that is an absolute lock to happen. Like, I think there's <laughs> no way that they don't throw 600 times. Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, um, my, um, Julio Jones, and Hayden Hurst. Sound familiar? It does, because it was last year's Buccaneers offense. Shit defense, top five, uh, like a breakout tight end potential, breakout receiver potential, and an already established elite receiver. It's going to be the same exact thing, except Hayden Hurst isn't O.J. Howard, and he's not going to be stupid. And it's the same system, so he, or it's an easier system, so he doesn't have to learn a complicated system. I think Hayden Hurst is basically just going to be what Austin Hooper was last year, essentially, because Austin Hooper was a tight end one before he got injured. He was ahead yeah. of Kittle and Kelsey. He like Dirk Cutter's offense. The reason it likes tight end so much is because they suck in the red zone, and if they can't get the pass to the tight end in the red zone, they're not going to score a touchdown. So yeah. <laughs> it's basically like tight end, like where's Cameron Bray and OJ Howard? Like that's where we're going with the ball in the end zone. And that's why OJ Howard was so bad this year is because Dirk Cutter's offense is so great for tight ends. So I'm all the way in on that take. Yeah, 100%. I really think that this is the year where Matt Ryan, if Matt Ryan doesn't win the Super Bowl, it, it'll have to be every other year when he does it. And I don't yeah. think he's going to win the Super Bowl, but I think if he doesn't make the playoffs this year with this offense, it's because the defense is just dog shit, like you said, which is actually even better for Matt Ryan, because if yeah. they're just getting soaked, then he's going to have to be heaving the ball out. And I think that he can do that, especially against like, I don't think that necessarily – you obviously are a Bucs fan. The Bucs have a pretty good defense. But the Panthers, obviously, their defense is dog shit. The Saints have a pretty good defense. And I think that this division just – it just ensues points. games where points are points. scored. Yeah. It's all points. Yeah. So, speaking so, of uh, the Buccaneers, um, my, my, I think this one's pretty hot because people are off this guy. Like, like fantasy analysts, like average people. Like, everyone's off this dude, and I don't know why. Yeah. Mike Evans leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns is my take. And – Here's why everyone's off Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is the short target. Everyone is comparing Chris Godwin to Julian Edelman. He's way better than Julian Edelman, first of all. And second of all, Tom Brady throws to Julian Edelman and James White because that's what the system tells him to do. Tom Brady is a Baker quarterback. He does not Baker Mayfield. He's a Baker, meaning he follows the recipe. The recipe that Josh McDaniel set out for him is death by a thousand paper cuts. Bruce Arians offense is the polar opposite of Josh McDaniel's. <laughs> Everyone assumes Chris Godwin is the receiver to own in fantasy. It's causing Mike Evans to slip. 
And while Chris Godwin is 100% going to out-target Mike Evans, I 100% believe he, he's going to, his targets are not as valuable as Mike Evans' targets. In 2019, Mike Evans led the NFL in yards per route run on deep attempts. No surprise, he received fourth, uh, the fourth most deep targets in the NFL at 30. He has big play potential, so that's going to lead to some receiving touchdowns. I love Jameis Winston, but Mike led the NFL in uncatchable targets, including 18 <laughs> of, those 30, uh, of those 30 deep attempts that I just talked about. So only 12 of those deep attempts were deemed catchable. In the sling it downfield of, uh, system of Bruce Arians, it's going to be his system still. Just because Tom Brady is the quarterback doesn't mean it's check downs to James White and Julian Edelman. Bruce Arians has said on numerous occasions that it's still his system. It's just Tom running it. Now to the red zone. Mike Evans tied for eighth, eight, uh, sorry, tied for eighth in the NFL with 14 red zone targets and second in the NFL with eight coming inside the five-yard line. Now Rob Gronkowski is in the red zone picture to take attention away from Mike Evans. Because in the red zone, I watch every snap of Buccaneers games. Everyone hones in on Mike Evans because early in Mike Evans' career, he had two seasons of 12-plus touchdowns, a lot of that production coming in the red zone. So yeah. he was the big focal point of the red zone offense, so people focus on him. If Rob Gronkowski is there, I hate to tell you this, but they're going to focus on Rob Gronkowski because he's Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Um, Let's also remember a wide receiver of Evans' dimensions and skill set broke the single-season receiving touchdown record with Tom Brady at quarterback. Randy Moss was used the way that Mike Evans is used. Obviously, Randy Moss is a better receiver than Mike Evans, but he was the downfield threat. He was the red zone options. Don't overthink Mike Evans. His quarterback is an upgrade in both deep accuracy and in the red zone. Jameis is bad in both of those areas. He's good everywhere else, but he sucks in the red zone, and he sucks on deep attempts where Mike Evans is going to make his money. He's not going to catch 90, 100 passes like Chris Godwin's going to catch, but he might catch 12 touchdowns, which again, he's already done that twice in his career. So we know he can catch that many touchdowns. I think there's a chance that Mike Evans has like a 14, 15 touchdown season this year. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with this. I think Mike Evans is, in my mind, I haven't even moved him in my rankings at all. He's been around the same top 10 guy, but I was kind of nervous to take him. And as the weeks have moved on, I've started to get less nervous and be more confident in Mike Evans. Mike Evans is one of my favorite NFL wide receivers. I've drafted him in fantasy for years. The guy's been great always. So I don't know why I even, in my brain, thought that he wouldn't be good just because they moved, not really why he wouldn't be good, but why he wouldn't be like as elite as he formerly was with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the better quarterback than Jameis Winston. I fucking love Jameis Winston. I love eating W's just like him, but I think that Mike Evans is still going to be great. And I think the receiving touchdown thing is going to be key. Like you brought up about Gronk. Gronk he loves throwing the ball to Gronk and Gronk is scary in the red zone. If you, if you let Gronk get even one type of step or you let him be able to jump up, they're, you're going to be fucked because he's just going to catch it. And Mike Evans is the same way. Yeah. Except now people just be one on one. That, yeah, that the connection is going to be so strong. I just think Mike Evans will be able to eat. This take is 100% possible. And I don't even know who else would rival him. Who, do you, who would you think would be like the top five guys in touchdowns? Because I can't even think off the top of my head. Maybe Devontae Adams. Yeah, Devontae Adams would definitely be one of them. Kenny Galladay led the league in touchdowns last year, so he'd probably be one of them as well. Um, yeah. the, tight, the two tight ends, uh, Kelsey and Andrews, potentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a couple, there's a couple top-end receivers. Obviously not Julio Jones, but maybe Tyreek Hill. Maybe um, um, if Michael Thomas can get some more uh, receiving work in the end zone. Like, I think there's going to be probably six or seven receivers that have double-digit touchdowns this year because last year there was only one. And like I think in, yeah. in 2018 there was like eight. So, yeah. like – 
I think it's going to probably regress more like normally to which like six or seven. I think Mike Evans 100% going to be one of those uh, six or seven that has double digit touchdowns. For sure. And you didn't even mention him. Christian McCaffrey could 100% score 10 fucking yeah, receiving he could. touchdowns. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So next division to talk about here is the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York football giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington, no name, the Washington football team. So my pick is from the Washington football team. And that is that Terry, Terry McLaurin is a top 12 wide receiver. Now, you guys know me. If you've been here for a while, I fucking love Terry McLaurin. I'll get down on both knees or one knee for him, regardless. Maybe he wants to get married. Maybe he wants something else. I just love the guy. This one is going to not be super hot to me, but to a lot of people, they don't believe in Terry McLaurin. They don't believe in the Washington football team. They don't believe in Dwayne Trash Can Hashkins, who was absolutely awful last year, but I think he's done enough in the offseason. Now, I don't buy into those training camp or those like offseason things where Dwayne Hashkins has no fucking shirt on and he's just throwing dimes to all these guys because at the end of the day, that doesn't mean anything. There's no pads on there's no one coming to fucking destroy him but I think that he is working hard and I think that just improving slightly will mean a lot to Terry McLaurin especially since Terry McLaurin was playing very good last year with I believe Colt McCoy played a fucking game at the quarterback position and Colt McCoy I don't even I didn't even know he was in the NFL until he started for them hook him. So last season, his rookie campaign, he was the number one wide receiver on the team as a rookie. He was instantly slotted in there to be the alpha guy going up against good cornerbacks. And he finished as wide receiver number 29. So I know that's not going to get you real hard. It's not going to get you going about Terry McLaurin, but he only played in 14 games and played pretty well in those games when he was playing. He had 93 targets and only 58 receptions. I think that the receptions are going to go up, obviously, because the quarterbacks are going to be more accurate this year. And by the quarterbacks, I mean, it should just be Dwayne Haskins. He had almost 1,000 receiving yards with 919. He was very good in the red zone as well in the touchdown category. Eight red zone receptions, 18th wide receiver, and seven total touchdowns. And he dominated in the target share of the Washington offense. 23% target share in Washington, 22nd at wide receiver. So he's already shown us that he could be that alpha guy. And he was ultra efficient last season. 9.9 yards per target, 12th at wide receiver. 15.8 yards per reception, 14th at wide receiver. 68. 4% contested catch rate. So you just throw the guy the ball. Even if it's shit, he's going to go out down with it. Number one at wide receiver. And he had a 115.9 quarterback rating when targeted 10th in the NFL. And note, the quarterbacks just were not that good last year at all. His catchable target rate was only 79.6%, 40th at wide receiver, and he was still coming down with the ball. And I think that with Riverboat Ron as the head coach, this offense is just going to be humming much easier. And with a not so so super hot defense, I understand someone left a comment actually that the Washington defense isn't as shit as I say they they are. Like I I think they're like probably like a dumpster fire, but they're probably their, not their as bad. Corners are a little concerning, but their front seven is pretty good. Yeah, that, that's what the comments said. So they're probably pretty good. They're not like the worst defense ever. But just because they don't have the best, if they don't have like an amazing defense, they're going to be out in these games and they're going to have to throw. And I think Ron Rivera is going to be able to get the guys fired up. And plus, Hashkins literally played college ball with fucking uh, Terry McLaurin and they somehow just lost every inkling of connection they ever had and I just think that Terry McLaurin upgrades in his sophomore season as well as Dwayne Haskins to create some type of a super connection there in Washington so what do you think about uh, Mr. F1 McLaurin they actually never had a connection because Terry McLaurin, his concern coming out of school was like his breakout age and his production. So it like, wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah it wasn't very good because uh, fucking Paris Campbell was the main guy there when he was at Ohio State but I um uh, in my Twitter profile at football stock on Twitter I have this pinned and it's uh, talking about um, rookie receivers last year who received 100 uh, – or sorry, 
who reached 750 plus receiving yards, who had a hundred or less targets. And a couple of receivers fit the description. I'm going to talk about one later, but Terry McLaurin was one of these guys. And based on this data, basically what I looked at was what was the target increase their second season after being so efficient as a rookie? Did the, did the targets go up? Cause that's what I wanted to know. And based on this data, 34 targets was the increase average increase for the, uh, I believe it was like uh, 16 receivers or whatever that I looked back since 2006 and uh, a 269 yardage increase. And basically what this would equate to for Terry McLaurin was 140 targets and 1,319 receiving yards. And this was just based on the average, not the like high end uh, guys like Josh Gordon received like 85 targets, like more like the next year uh, in his career. So I think Terry McLaurin is in for a breakout season as are a couple of the other guys listed in that study that you guys can go check out on my Twitter. And I'm going to touch on later in this video. All right. So hopefully you guys are now bought in on Terry McLaurin. I've talked about him like a thousand times on my channel. He's been on the thumbnail of a million videos. So you should already be bought in. But if you're new, hopefully that brought you in as well. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed thus far. But now it's Bush's turn to also talk about the Washington football team. Yeah, which is weird because they're by far the worst like fantasy offense in this division. But (laughs) um, Antonio Gibson is the number one owned player on fantasy championship roster. So this is like a really hot take because this (laughs) <laughs> to me, this requires in-season analysis too, because like a bunch of shit's going to change. But yeah. calm down for a second. I'm not suggesting you draft Antonio Gibson in like the sixth round. I, I would say don't pick him higher than round eight, because mm-hmm. what you want Antonio Gibson to be for your team is a stash. You want him to be a guy that you're looking forward to breaking out later in the season, because he is going to struggle early. I believe they just came out and said that he's not going to be featured right away or something. Either their OC or their head coach said that. I don't remember who it was, but he's new to the position. He was primarily a wide receiver in college. It's going to take him a few weeks to get used to NFL speed and to be used to playing running back. Like he may even be someone to straight up avoid in drafts because he, he might be on the waiver wire by week five. Like people might drop him because it's yeah. Adrian Peterson's show and, and Peyton Barber's even getting carries. Like he might be on the waiver wire. If not, he's going to be a great trade target mid season. And the reason I say he's going to be the number one owned player on fantasy championship rosters is because of this. He's going to be on good teams. He, like people who have good rosters are going to be able to pick him up or trade for him like mid season. Yeah. So, and this is why I say this in 2017, there was a rookie running back out of the university of Tennessee who also had a limited share in college. And this guy's name was Alvin Kamara. And he carried fantasy owners to fantasy titles with his incredible back half of the season stretch. Yeah. Ironically, the same incumbent veteran, Adrian Peterson was the guy that Alvin Kamara <laughs> supplanted that year. Adrian Peterson will be the starter in 2020 guaranteed locked and loaded. It's going to happen. Don't think that Antonio Gibson is starting week one. Cause it's not going to happen. He will look to carve out a pass catching role and maybe eat into Peterson's workload on the ground. As the season goes on by week nine, we could be talking about an electric athlete commanding five to eight targets per game and a six to 10 carry per game role, similar to Alvin Kamara's except he's going to be in a less potent offense, which Alvin Kamara was obviously in a really good offense. So Antonio Gibson is going to be good at some point in his career. It could be the back half of his rookie season. He's in a, like, he's a crazy athlete. If you don't know his yeah. measurables, go to playerprofiler.com and just look at his player comparison. It's Joe Mixon because he's that good of an athlete. So I, I think Antonio Gibson is going to get off to a slow start, but he's going to be either like the number one waiver ad at some point in the year, or he's going to be a great trade target. So definitely keep an eye on Antonio Gibson. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy literally had like 33 touches last year in the rushing game and had like a zillion yards. The guy's insane. He had 11, it was 11 plus yards per carry, which is 99th percentile at running back yards per carry, which is just crazy in college. But uh, Antonio Gibson, I like Antonio Gibson a lot. Now, my only worry with drafting him this year is with the big Rona is now I'm kind of worried about, because you're not going to be able to play him the first couple of weeks, obviously. So if one of your guys gets Corona, he's he's going to be cut in like every single league. I am so sure of that because if someone gets gets Corona, you're going to have to cut Antonio Gibson, unless obviously that's Adrian Peterson. And that obviously will not help him out for your team, obviously, for the first couple of weeks. But I believe what you said 100%. Week 16, when you're in your championship, don't play in week 17. Get Tell your commissioner right now to fuck off and change it to week 16 because week 17 is just depressing because your team that was a powerhouse, half those players are going to be riding the pine in your championship. So you want to make sure that they're in there, but Antonio Gibson is going to be very good. Like, like you said, he didn't have that much of a workload in college, but just like with Alvin Kamara, he was able to, he, he really carried at the back half of his rookie season. I think that's what we see out of Antonio Gibson. I don't think Antonio, not Antonio Brown, Adrian Peterson is the most like elite running back ever anymore. Obviously one of the better running backs ever, but not some type of elite talent anymore. And when he was on the saints, I really thought Adrian Peterson was washed up and then magically he arrived in Washington and started being good again which is kind of funny but Antonio Gibson is a very good player and I think that this is this is a hot take but it's 100% possible because a couple of years ago there was literally every year there's the most random players on the win your championship roster Todd Perryman was the most owned player last year yeah and Justin Watson I believe the other wide receiver was really good as well so and I had him so it was like the same shit it's just these random ass players week 16 because people always get hurt could be that guy so that is 100% a good take so now on actually can I add one more thing to that Uh, another thing that we didn't even take into account is remember Tariq Cohen in 2018 and Mitch Trubisky's second year was Mitch Trubisky good in 2018 no no Dwayne Haskins could be as good as Mitch Trubisky was in 2018. Like he actually showed something towards the back half of his rookie season. So I, I don't think the offense being shit is like the necessary, like is the bad thing for Antonio Gibson. Cause he's going to catch a lot of passes. And yeah. if you want to check out more on Antonio Gibson, if you know nothing about him, cause I mean, he played for Memphis. I don't know how many people are watching Memphis games on <laughs> Saturdays, but in our draft guide, as I plugged before, I wrote up Antonio Gibson and there's some film clips in there. You can see how electric the kid is. So uh, make sure you go check that out onto the next division. Next division, the NFC West, the Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, initially, my take was going to be that the Seattle Seahawks just absolutely ramsack this division and win it. But I didn't think – we were talking about fantasy, so I didn't want to go ahead and pick that. Then I was thinking maybe we go with Russell Wilson for MVP. But you already talked about in the other video, Deshaun Watson for MVP. So we're not going to do that. I'm going to go with the 49ers. Do not have a single running back inside the top 20. And I, inside the top 10, inside the top 20, inside, maybe even inside the top 25, because this is just going to be a certified running back committee nightmare. Their depth chart right now, they got Raheem Mostert, who they actually got to sign a deal. I initially thought he was going to get traded, get moved to some other team. No, now he's locked in there. They got Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon. And then obviously there's a plethora of other guys there. Uh, that one guy, Salman Ahmed, is also there, I believe, still. Yeah. But their splits last season, if you look at this, at the running back position, obviously, uh, Mr. Mostert is gone. He's now a Miami Dolphin. But the splits, 377, uh, not touches, obviously, but just being on the field for 377 snaps. For Coleman, 343 for Mostert. Breida had 251. And Albert, or not Albert Wilson, fucking Jeff Wilson Jr. had 69, which is very nice. And then the rushing attempts, Coleman had 137. Mostert had one. 
37. Breida had 123, and Wilson had 27. So my concern is not that these guys are all bad, because I think any of these guys, if someone was to get hurt, could really step up and be the alpha guy on that team. But without injury, I don't see any chance that any of these guys finish inside of the top 20. And that's why I don't understand where Raheem Mostert is being drafted right now in drafts. I just don't think that he is going to finish up to where a lot of people think he will. Even if the 49ers are more of a kind of run-heavy sit not really a run heavy system but they don't they don't really rely on Jimmy Garoppolo as we saw in the playoffs they really like to run the ball but I just think that there's too many cooks in the kitchen here for one of these guys to really develop not develop because they're all pretty good players but to emerge and be that running back one guy for their team or be a top 20 running back for fantasy football so what do you think about this 49ers backfield 100% on board I'm not touching Raheem Moser with a 10-foot pole I think he basically last year we looked at the, it was going, what was it? Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. And um, I think that was the only Jeff one. Jeff Wilson. Being dra- those were the only ones being drafted in redraft oh, yeah. leagues. So I think this year I'm going to take a dart throw on Jarek McKinnon and maybe I'll get a couple shares of Tevin Coleman, but I'm not fucking touching Raheem Mostert. I don't care if he pops off. I don't want anything to do with Raheem Mostert because Kyle Shanahan has used a committee. He's always used a committee. He always will use a committee unless they sign like Saquon Barkley in free agency. Like that he's always going to use a committee running back um, system. And yes, they were the most running back or they were the most run heavy team. If you discount Lamar Jackson's carries away from the Ravens last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you take Lamar Jackson's carries away from the Ravens, the 49ers are actually the most run heavy team in the league, but you, you're never going to predict week over week who the guy is. It's, it's going to be Raheem Moster one week. It's going to be Tevin Coleman another week. And on top of that, they have one of the hardest run schedules in the league. So if it is Raheem Moster to start the season and he struggles because he's playing great defenses against the run, they might shift to Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon or Jeff Wilson or fucking Salvin Ahmed out of the woodworks. Like who knows with Kyle Shanahan, he's literally going to play whoever the fuck he wants because his system is so good that it doesn't matter. Yeah. System's very good unless you're in the Super Bowl because he choked two of those away, but <laughs> uh, you're going to be really pissed off when you draft him and Jeff Wilson just moseys on into the end zone three times a game because that's just what happens. Jeff Wilson was automatic on the goal line, like four yeah. yards out. Boom. He was in every single time. That's why he was good in fantasy. He'd have like three carries and three fucking touchdowns. So you're going to be really pissed off drafting any of these guys. If you're drafting them early, obviously Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon are later picks and you're always just pissed off at Jarek McKinnon because the guy just doesn't stay healthy or typically hasn't in the past. So now we can move on to Bush's take about the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. So again, I mentioned this earlier with Terry McLaurin, but there was, um, I wanted to look into does having an efficient rookie season, meaning 15 receivers uh, who reached at least 750 receiving yards, despite having less a hundred or less targets. There was a couple of receivers that did it this year, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Darius Slayton and DK Metcalf. So based on this data, as I mentioned, 34 target increase on average and a 269 yardage increase on average. This is just like statistically what the data suggests that DK Metcalf will jump to. And that's 134 targets or 1,169 yards. Basically what my hot take is about uh, DK Metcalf is that he's going to have double digit touchdowns and finish top 10 at the receiver position. The big thing for Metcalf, I think this is realistic. Like the yardage, 134 targets and 1,169 yards. I think the yardage especially is about what he's going to have. I don't think that's unrealistic at all. But the big thing for Metcalf is this offense wants to run the ball, but I anticipate more of a balance coming between passing and running because Chris Carson's uh, uncertain health situation is concerning for me. That's why I won't draft Chris Carson is because I think there's a chance that this offense becomes a little bit more pass heavy than it's been. 
obviously we know that Metcalf can make big plays down the field to score touchdowns. He has a crazy high success rate on man, on his main routes that he runs, which are like goes and posts and comebacks. According to Matt Harmon's reception perception, he's really good at these routes. So we obviously know he's capable of taking a go route 60 plus yards for touchdown, but Metcalf also tied for fifth in the NFL with 17 red zone targets. Did I mention he plays with Russell fucking Wilson? Like DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson are going to be uber efficient just because Metcalf was super efficient last year. Russell Wilson's always efficient. So I could definitely see Metcalf having 10 plus touchdowns this year. And if he does combined with a hundred or a thousand yards ish, he's going to be a top 10 receiver because uh, we saw Mike Williams a couple of years ago have 10 touchdowns and that propelled him into like an elite fantasy season for someone who's not even remotely in the same category of talent as DK Metcalf, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think this is possible, but I think it might take Tyler Lockett getting hurt for it to happen because I'm, I, I don't think have... so, man. I think they can both do this. Like they can both have like 1100 yeah. yards and 10 touchdowns. I think they can both do it. Yeah. Do you, do you, have, who do you have ranked higher? You have Metcalf ranked higher? I have Metcalf ranked higher, but like, it's very close. Yeah, I have them ranked, I think, Lockett. In, they're both inside the top 20, but I have Lockett like two spots ahead of them. I think Lockett will finish better, but I do think DK Metcalf is going to be very good. And like you said, 10-plus touchdowns is entirely possible for DK Metcalf. The guy's a fucking unit. Everyone's seen the picture of him shirtless. The guy's just absolutely jacked, and he's going to go up and get you that ball. So I think that this is definitely an entirely possible take. So do you got anything else on Metcalf, or are we heading out here? Yeah, just one like really bold prediction for what, what Metcalf could do. My comparison for DK Metcalf coming out of school was Josh Gordon. And what Josh Gordon did his second year in the NFL was retarded. Like it was, it was crazy. Like he, he literally had 1,700 yards in 13 games. Like he like popped the hell off. I don't think Metcalf's going to do that. But in terms of like just a physical presence that DK Metcalf is now that he's coming into his second year, like he could legitimately just go insane and be the number one receiver in fantasy. Like, cause he's, got that kind of potential just based on yeah. how like freakish he is. Yeah, 100%. Real quick before we end the video, do you think Josh Gordon will ever play again? Yes, I do. Because I think the NFL has some weird obsession with trying to make him like a, a rehabilitation project. Okay. Yeah, well, they did. you're now allowed to smoke the dank in the NFL, so it should yeah. be good. So thank you guys all for watching this video. Bush, you can take the floor here and uh, shout out yourself out again. Yeah, I won't plug the draft guide because I already did that, but go check that out. Um, make sure you're following me along on Twitter because I, I do tweet shit like this out all the time. Like I, I tweeted out something about Mike, like the Mike Evans research that I did yesterday. I, I always, I find it's people on Twitter, like they just tweet out YouTube videos and be like, go watch my video. It's like, I'm not doing that. Give me some value on Twitter. So that's what I try and do. I try and tweet out research that I do and stats that I find and stuff that I find interesting. So make sure you're following me along on Twitter. As I mentioned, youtube.com slash the fantasy stock or fantasy stock exchange is how you can find us if you're interested in more of my opinions and takes so uh definitely go check that stuff out yeah for sure i use twitter the way bush said that people use twitter i just tweet out my videos and i tweet out me getting angry about my gambling picks not hitting so check that out as well check out my patreon down below make sure you click that fucking subscribe button and i'll see all you guys later with you know always double upload season on my channel mock draft whatever it is coming your way i'll see you guys later i hope you guys have a great rest of your guys day and i'll see you guys later like i said and then actually check out the video i didn't even say this check out the video from yesterday with bush you need to make sure you watch that because that one is just as hot as this one super hot fire i spit that have a great rest of your guys day